Well, hello, everybody. It's good to see you again this Sunday. Man, what a great time of worship we've just had here in our our concourse. We wanted to to change things up for you a little bit, have a little bit different scenery as we continue to move through this. And I hope you've just been uh, as blessed as I have by this time of of singing Hosanna. You know, as we get started here uh, today, I, I just want to say thank you. Uh, for for the church that you are. Uh, we, you know, we have a goal of being a church that the 804 cannot imagine being without. And it's been real interesting in these last couple of weeks, these last couple of days, the American Red Cross has called us. Hospitals have called us. And most recently, the Chesterfield County Police Department made contact with us. Whether that was being able to provide a place for giving blood or, or doing the masks. Gosh, we have a team of, of some 40, 50 people now that are making, I, I don't have the exact number, but I'm pretty sure we're coming up on 2,000 masks that have been made in the last couple of weeks, just loving and serving our community in this, in this time of need. And that's you. That's you that is doing that. And I want to thank you so much for that. And, and you know, another way you have served in this time is, is just in your giving. You know, this is a difficult time. And, and when we're not gathering, that, that giving becomes a little bit more of a challenge. And uh, gosh, out of what now, four of the last five Sundays, I guess, we have missed budget, but not, not by a lot. And, and we've actually, I noticed I said four out of five. We actually had a Sunday where we collected well over what was needed for that week's budget. So you guys have been so faithful to give. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of churches, a lot of ministries right now are talking about, hey, don't don't forget us. We still have bills. And you know, I'll be honest with you, I've never given to a church. I've never given to a ministry because they had bills to play. Uh, I give because I love my God and I want to worship Him. And I give because I want to join God in what he's doing at that church or through that ministry. And you, you have been so faithful just to continue your giving and uh, serve your Lord and your church through this time. It, it really has been exciting to see all these ways when we're not gathering, when we're distanced, that you, we continue to be the church. And after all that gratitude, could I challenge us all a little bit? I, I know so many of you are doing this. You heard Kyle and Jordan talk a moment ago about bless every home. You can go to our, our website, thb.church slash statement, scroll down to bless every home and, and check that out. We have hundreds of people in our church using that tool. And really it ought to be thousands. It's awesome what is accomplishing through those hundreds, but it ought to be thousands. This is something that nobody can say, I don't have enough time. It can literally be seconds, a few minutes a a, a day. And you determine how many days a week that would be. Nobody can say, I can't do this. It's just bringing before the Lord the name of your neighbors. Uh, When you go to this site, it'll help you populate the 40 closest homes around you. And you pick the number. I think 40 is the default. And it just starts with a base of praying. And there's other things that'll encourage, help, guide you to do. But again, it's just basically praying for our neighbors. You know, as I just said a moment ago, I think it's so exciting to actually see the 804 calling us during this time and asking for help. But but folks, if we're blessing institutions and organizations, but we miss our neighbors, 
than, than we've missed. The, the 804 is, is people, and we want to be serving people, beginning with our neighbors. Really want to encourage you to look at, bless every home, and look at it, try it out, see what that might do there to, to help you be the church there in on your street. Well, we're continuing today our, our series on Revelation. I say continuing because we started last week in Second Peter. I know I kind of tricked you on that one. But if you'll remember, I said Second Peter gives us a, uh, a key, a key for unlocking interpretation, a key for unlocking the blessing that is being offered in Revelation if we read and hear and keep. And that key was, what are we going to do with what we hear? You know, people come charging into Revelation looking for codes and mysteries and scary things and when this is going to happen. But God gave us the revelation, gave us the information on the future to affect how we live today. So if I'm not moving to action, then I'm not doing with this book what God wants. And so the key that that Peter gave us was very simply this. In light of the future that God has shown me, the future that God has given, what sort of person should I be today? I mean, folks, we really ought to be looking at what we're learning in the Revelation and think, how does it affect me this week and how I respond to people that have hurt my my feelings. How do I uh, respond to some of the challenges being faced with COVID-19? Or how, how do I deal with, you know, the hurt and the loss of things that have been canceled, things that were important, and everything's all up and changed? You know what? What we know about the future should be affecting all of these things we're going to be doing this week as, as we walk through a, a, a regular week. And I use the word regular kind of a tongue-in-cheek there. But uh, today we're going to now move into Revelation. And when I start a book, and, and if you've been listening to me preach for a while, you already know this, but when I, when I start a book, I'll usually, the, the first message, and this is the second, but I'll do an overview. Kind of get our bearings, kind of get a feel for the whole book uh, so that we kind of know where we are and what is happening. It, it always helps you understand a book when you get that overview, that that introduction. In Revelation, I think it's almost an, an, a necessity that we do that overview and we get our bearings. I, I, I choose that word very purposely there with Revelation, getting our bearings. Have you ever been you know, like driving on a north-south road, but you feel like you're going east-west? Have you ever been on, on a, you know, the west side of town, but man, everything in you feels like you're on the north side or the south side. You just, and, and when you don't have that bearing, you, you can't help but not feel comfortable. Where am I? What's happening? This doesn't feel right. And so it, it makes taking in what's going on around you a, a little bit harder. So today, that's not such a big deal when we're in our car because we just look at our Google Maps. And, and, you know, we can zoom out, we can see the big picture, and then we zoom in and we, we see the detail and what happens when you know where you are. You have a sense of peace. You're ready to take in the information and what's going on around you. So that's what we want to do today. We want to we use Google Maps as we drive down the road of Revelation. Revelation is such an exciting book, such an exciting exclamation point on the Bible. And, and you know, when I say an exclamation point on the Bible, uh, Revelation ends the Bible perfectly. And I'm thinking there about the whole story of the Bible. The Bible really is an incredible 
book, Unparalleled, I, and I, I know I'm biased. I, I, I know I have a love for that book when I say that, but I, I think you can really look at a lot of objective things and say there's nothing like the Bible. Uh, Forty different authors contributed to it, written over an 1,100-year time span on three different continents in three different languages. You know, you can compile different things, and it looks like a compilation. It looks like kind of disjointed, and you hope it maybe connects and goes together, but you don't get any of that when you read the Bible. It, it actually reads like a story from beginning to end with common threads and, and common themes. Even when you think about the beginning and the end, Genesis and Revelation, and how they tie together. I mean, every issue Every problem brought up in Genesis is resolved in Revelation. It's an interesting study to look at some of the issues that come up in just the first three chapters of Genesis and then how they're dealt with in the last three chapters of Genesis. Now, there's a lot of threads running between those two books to bring that about, but you see that that connection. Two books written 1,100 years apart by, by two very different people, and yet they they tie together perfectly. As a matter of fact, I want to show you this, but before I show it to you, I want to tell you something. Today, and probably in a lot of these sermons in Revelation, you're going to see some things on the screen, and you're going to think, man, I, I, want, I wish I could write that down, or I, I wish I could share that, or, or be able to print it off. I'm about to show you something. I'm confident you would want to remind you of our church app, and, and, and some of you are using that right now to watch this. But in our church app, we have sermon notes, and you can go to the things you see on the screen. You can add your own notes. You can print, email, share to social media. So uh, go check out our app. You can find that in your app store, the Heights Baptist Church, little black box with our white logo in the in the middle. I, I hope you'll get that and, and be able to download this information. But as, as I say that, let me go ahead and throw up on the screen now. I want to show you a comparison between those first three chapters in Genesis, those last three in Revelation. So look at what you've got there on your screen. We see there that that Satan appears as a deceiver of mankind in the first three chapters, and he disappears forever in the last three chapters. Or, Or how about a little further down there, we see the initial triumph of the serpent in the first three chapters, but the ultimate triumph of the lamb in the last three chapters. In the first three chapters, we have the first paradise closed. And in the last three chapters, the new paradise is opened. Or how about that access to the tree of life lost in Adam, but boy, in the last three chapters, it is reopened in Christ. It really is incredible to see how this all ties together. Man, folks, it's a reminder that history really is his story, and he wins. He wins. Isn't that comforting? Isn't that helpful? Isn't that encouraging to know he wins when you think about what we're going through right now or things you've gone through in your life? And that message was so important as it arrived to those first century believers, as it arrived there to John. Revelation is information by Jesus given to John, the Apostle John. John that wrote the Gospel of John. John that wrote the, the three letters of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. John was the 
longtime pastor at the church in Ephesus, and uh, he, he's getting on up there in years now. He's, he's getting to be quite an elderly man. Uh, he has been arrested. He, he is on the Isle of Patmos as he receives this revelation from Jesus. Patmos is a volcanic rock uh, that is used as kind of a, a prison, if you will, for, for criminals and for other kinds of political offenders. So that's his neighbors. That, that, that's the people living around him on this volcanic rock as he receives this revelation from the Lord. And it is the year 95. And, and you know, he really is, he is the last of that original 12 that followed Jesus. As a matter of fact, not only is he the last, not only of the others passed, and none of them died natural deaths, they, they died m- martyrs' deaths because they gave witness, they gave confession to seeing the resurrected Jesus Christ, they, they preached the gospel, they were imprisoned, they were tortured, ultimately they were killed for that. And, and th- now here John is in 95, Peter, Paul, died back in the 60s. I mean, his friends haven't just all passed away. They, they, they died two and three decades ago. It's been a long time since he was around them. And a lot of them did get lost there, did die there in the 60s uh, when Nero was the emperor. Nero brought so much pressure against the church. That's where you hear the stories about Christians being fed to the lions and burned at the stake. But even as Nero passed off the scene, the, the Roman emperors didn't change. In, in the 90s, it's Domitian. Domitian is the emperor, and he has demanded that Christians recant their faith. He has called them to, to yield, to serve, to emperor worship, and, and a lot of them wouldn't do that. And, and just like John's friends, just like those disciples 20, 30 years ago, there was a high cost. They, they were imprisoned. They, their lives were taken. And, and so this is now, it's not just his friends from 20, 30 years ago, his current friends. If, if he would have been back at the church and, and when they're gathering in small groups, you know, everybody would have had a family member, would have had a friend that had lost their life for following Christ that that had been in, imprisoned and you know so what what's the mood as John is receiving this it's a mood of hey this following Christ is a costly thing is it worth it i mean that might not sound like a question we're supposed to ask in church is it worth following Christ but you know what when your when your friends and your family are dying you're you're going to ask that question and, and, and you're still dealing with that issue of where, where is he? Jesus promised he was coming back. And you remember Peter, when we looked at Peter last week, he was dealing with that question in the 60s. It had been 30 years since Jesus had ascended. Well, guess what? Now it's been 60 years since Jesus has ascended. And so, you know, you're saying, hey, is this following Christ thing? Is it, is it worth it? Is he really coming back? And it's into that mood, into that feel, into that context that God brings the apocalypse, the unveiling, the revelation, as we call it. So let's get started now. And and what we're going to look at in this introduction, first of all, we're going to look at uh, our, we're going at that Google map. We're going to get our bearings, if you will. And we're going to do that. I almost hate to use this word. We're going to look at an outline. 
I, I know the word outline may take some of us back to like, what, seventh grade English? I don't know when we learned to outline, but probably for most of us, that wasn't the, the most fun we had in school. But uh, folks, an outline is your Google map. It, it is your chance to see the whole thing in the, you know, here's the name of this road and this road and this road, and it leads to this road. And uh, with Revelation, we actually have, here's the good news, you and I don't have to do the outlining. Uh, John gives us, Jesus gives us a head start. In, in Revelation 1.19, Jesus tells John, listen, I want you to write down what you've seen. Hey, guess what? That's chapter 1. Where you are right now, what, what's going on presently, that's chapters 2 through 3, and what is to come. And, and that is chapters 4 through 22. So we've got in Revelation 1.19 the, the three major sections of the book of Revelation. And, and as we look at those three, you see that the biggest section is, is Roman numeral 3 there, or, or what we'll, you'll see in a moment, Roman numeral 3. That's what is to come. Revelation is about the future. And under that, we have five sections. We're going to see the judge. We're going to see the tribulation. We're going to see the second coming. We're going to see the millennium. We're going to see the eternal state. Now, now those are those are our major sections inside of Revelation. And uh, I want to go ahead and throw up a uh, an outline right now. You you see it on the screen. You see the three major sections. And then under Roman numeral three, I went a little deeper because that's the biggest bulk of Revelation. And you see five sections. And I hope right away your eye is drawn to 3B. You see tribulation there. And, and of, of this, chapter 6 through 19 or into 19, the biggest bulk of Revelation, the biggest bulk of this third section is about the tribulation. So you just look at that outline right there, and it, you have that laying next to your Bible. That begins to help you to understand where you are, what, what you're looking at. Now, what we want to do now is we want to zoom in a little bit, okay? That outline gave us a, a real high view. Now I want to zoom in, and, and I'm not going to do an outline of the whole book today. As a matter of fact, some of you, if you have study Bibles, might might look there on the front page of that or maybe a couple of pages leave it leading into Revelation. You might have an outline right there in your Bible already. But uh, I want to give you a, a little bit more of an outline on 3B. I want to zoom in on that since that's the big section of this book. Now, the tribulation is basically the seven seal judgment. The seven seals. Now, we, we sing some songs in our church. We've sung a lot of songs over time that'll have an idea, that'll have the question, who is worthy to open the scroll? That's out of Revelation 5. And we're going to find out that Jesus is worthy. He's going to go and take that scroll. And with that scroll, he's going to begin to peel back seven seals. Each one of those seals will bring a judgment onto the earth. We'll see what will happen to the earth and humanity. We'll see the response of the earth and humanity to that judgment. And so we get seal one and then we move to seal two and, and then three. And, and by boy, by the time we get to six, you're kind of starting to look around and wonder what's left. I mean, it is absolutely devastating. I, I said this a while back, folks, things like World War II, COVID-19, they're not a peak in the tribulation. They're too small. They have too small of an impact 
to give us a feel for the revelation. The, the Bible tells us we will have never seen or experienced what we're going to see and experience in the tribulation. So by the time you get to the sixth seal, you're thinking, is, is anything on planet Earth left? You'll even be wondering about the cosmos. Well, well, guess what happens when we get to the seventh seal? We find seven more judgments. They're called the trumpet judgments. And an angel will blow a trumpet, it'll bring a judgment on the earth. And the second angel will blow a trumpet, it'll bring a judgment on the earth. And we're going to roll through those trumpets just seeing devastation after devastation. And we get to the seventh trumpet. You're not going to believe this. Seven more. You blow the seven trumpet and it's an introduction of seven more judgments called the bowl. B-O-W-L, bowl judgments. We're going to see the wrath of God poured out on the earth. Now, the seven bowls are a part of the seventh trumpet. The seven trumpets are a part of the seal. So see, it's all, it's all about the seven seal judgment. Boy, what you learn in that is God's judgment is complete. It is final. It is total. Nothing escapes. If we're not under the cross, if we're not under the blood of Christ, because that's the only safe place to be, when God's judgment falls, it touches everything. Now, Here's our challenge when we're moving through Revelation. When we're going through these judgments, you know, whether it's the seals or then it's the trumpets or then it's the bulls, you're going to have a very chronological feel. We're moving in time. I mean, there's the first seal a couple days, a couple months later, it's the second seal, and we're moving time-wise. But then all of a sudden, we're going to stop and we'll be getting supplemental information. Now, you know, when you're just kind of reading through, you don't realize that you've stopped. And so you were moving day one, day two, day three, and then all of a sudden you're going, wait a minute, what day am I in? Because some of this supplemental information will take us further into the future. Some will take us back to the past. Some supplemental information will go both directions. And that's where you start to go, where where am I? What, What is happening here? And that's where the outline helps us out. We'll, we'll see, okay, where John's moving along. It's, it's, it's chronology, day one, day two. Okay, pause, stop, get some supplement information. Then we pick up and we keep going, then we pause. Now, what is this supplemental information? Oh, it's, it's some of the exciting stuff in Revelation. This is where we're going to learn about the, the 144,000 Jews, this is where we'll learn about the, there's these two guys, they're just referred to as the two witnesses, and they do some crazy Old Testament-like miracles, and, and the Antichrist is going to kill them, and there's going to be such a celebration in the world. He, the Antichrist is going to leave these two witnesses laying dead in the street. And, and people, it's going to be like Christmas. The world, what's left of it, is literally going to exchange gifts in celebration of the death of these two witnesses. And then God's going to resurrect them. With the whole world watching, God's going to raise up these two witnesses. This supplemental information will give us that that information on the the Antichrist, the false prophet, uh, the the mark of the beast. This is stuff that kind of gets us going here. Well, that's what that supplemental information is. So it's, it's moving chronologically, and then it stops and gives some information. It picks up and moves chronologically, then it stops and gives some information. And that's where the outline 
That's where the Google map becomes so important so that you don't get lost. And so I want to put up on the screen right now a second outline. It's just of the that 3B, if you will, the seven seal judgment. You're looking at it now and, and, and you'll have a chance to look at other outlines. But you kind of see there, oh, okay, so we're used chapter by chapter how we move through that and then stop and, and, and get that information. So those outlines, so important as we're reading through Revelation. You know, a couple of other things I want to hit real quickly here before I wrap up. Uh, when we're looking at an overview of Revelation, of course, a big word is symbols. There, there's a lot of symbols, a lot of symbolic language in Revelation. Uh, believe it or not, there's quite a few symbols in Revelation that come out of the Old Testament. Uh, the, the, the Lamb of God, the tree of life, Babylon. These are all ideas, words that, that take us back to the Old Testament. Matter of fact, some, some interesting, uh, uh, trivia here for you. There's 404 verses in Revelation. 278 of those 404 verses link back to the Old Testament. That kind of a crazy thought. We've got this super futuristic book. And about 70% of it is tied back into the Old Testament. What did I say? We got these 40 authors over 1,100 years, and yet it's one book. It's one story. It's God's story. It's, it's God's plan. Of course, we see a lot of symbols in Revelation that come out of the New Testament. The bride, the marriage supper of the lamb, the word of God as a title for Jesus. We'll see those things come up in Revelation. And no real surprise, there's a few symbols in Revelation that are absolutely unique to Revelation. One that comes to my mind real quickly is the mark of the beast. I mean, that, that's a big thing. We're going to want to learn and understand what that is. It's not found anywhere else in Scripture, but, but there in Revelation. And, of course, when we talk about symbols, we're, we're also talking about numbers, a lot of numbers in Revelation, 3, 7, 12, 24, 1,000. Those are some big numbers. We're going to spend time with all of those numbers. None is bigger than seven. Seven, seven is the big number in Revelation. As a matter of fact, there are 21 sets of seven in Revelation. It, stop and think about it. You just heard me talk about three. Three of them. There's, there's seven seals. That's one. There's seven trumpets. That's two. There's seven bowls. That's three. So three of the 21, you, you heard a little bit about this morning. 21 sets of seven. Uh, in, in Revelation. So we'll be looking at some of those numbers and what God has for us. I can tell you this, it's not secret codes. It's not secret numbers that special people with math can figure out that that's not what God intends there. But we're going to look at that. We're going to un, un, try to understand as much of that as we can. And, and then, of course, folks, Revelation is about Jesus. You know, when we go into Revelation, think about what your questions are as you enter into it. You know, if you're like most of us, your questions probably aren't about Jesus. You know, who who's the Antichrist? What's the mark of the beast? When when is all this going to happen? Hey, those are those are important questions. Those are normal questions. They are things that kind of quicken our pulse there a little bit, but can I state the obvious? Folks, our goal in studying the Revelation is not the Antichrist. It's the Christ. 
Man, we want to leave this study more in love with Christ than we ever thought possible, more appreciative of who he is and and how he's working. Uh, We want to know better how to follow him when we leave this book. And so this study is about Jesus. Hey, you want to know something fun about Revelation? 33. 33 different names for Jesus in Revelation. It, it, it's, it's the names like uh, first and last, Alpha and Omega, the, the bright morning star, uh, the, the, the almighty God. I mean, some great names. And each of those names gives us a little bit different insight into who he is, into what he's like. One of my favorite names of Jesus, and it's similar to first and last and Alpha and Omega, but the beginning and the end. Jesus is the beginning and the end. You know what that means? COVID-19 is not the beginning and the end. It's not the beginning of all things, and it's not the end of all things. You say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I know somebody that died from that. that. That was the end for them. Death is not the end. We're going to find that out in Revelation. Death is not the end. Not for anybody is it the end. No, COVID-19 is not the beginning and the end. Financial hardships are not the beginning and the end. The government you want, the government you don't want, Neither one is the beginning and the end. Only Jesus is the beginning and the end. Man, shouldn't that add some perspective? Shouldn't that give some insight into how we look at the week ahead? You know, when you're, when you're doing an overview of a book, you might also be thinking about what's a key passage? Is there, is there a verse, a group of verses that kind of encapsulates the whole book. And I I think there certainly is. I mean, obviously that could be somewhat of an opinion statement, but I I think Revelation 19 verses 11 to 16 is such a a great central passage for this book. If you want to turn there, I want to read that now. I think these just few verses just have a little bit of everything in Revelation right there in them. Listen to this, Revelation 19 beginning in verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. In righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. I love that phrase. We will never know everything there is about God. He's too infinite. He has a name that no one knows. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him. That army is you and me. We're the ones following him on horses, white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Folks, Jesus Christ is coming back and he's going to win. We are going to see that Jesus is the beginning of all things and Jesus is the end of all things. His return is our great hope. I almost want to say our one great hope, but we have lots of hopes, don't we? 
mean, it's natural to have lots of nothing wrong with it. Hey, I, I hope COVID-19 ends soon. I hope they get a vaccine for it. I, I hope our economy can recover. I, I hope some of the things I have, you have maybe lost during this time or things that have been, you know, really harshly affected even in the summer or the fall. I hope I get some of that back. It's natural to have those hopes. And you know what? Some of those hopes get fulfilled Some of them don't get fulfilled. Even the hopes that are fulfilled, they have an expiration date. (laughs) I mean, they, they come to an end of having that big meaning in our lives. Folks, there's only one great hope, and that's the return of Jesus Christ. When he returns, all things are made right. When he returns, wrongs are revenged. When he returns, folks, everything makes sense. Isn't it natural for us to think, boy, when I, when I get to heaven, I've got a question for God. I mean, I think every, I think every one of us thinks, I, I've, got, I've, I've got a question for God. Maybe it's a biblical question. Boy, I've never understood that or why you did that or this aspect about you. Or maybe your question is more personal, something you've experienced or seen or, or just as you look out at the world. Man, Lord, what, why, when, where? Almost all of us think, well, when I get to heaven, I've got a question. Let me tell you something. At the second coming of Jesus Christ, instantly there are no more questions. You will, all the dots are connected instantly. And you know what you do? You what will do? You won't be disappointed. You won't think, oh, I see what you're doing, Jesus, but I think you missed it there. (laughs) No, we're going to praise him. Instantly, all dots are connected and we will praise him for how perfectly beyond what I could have even imagined as an answer it will be perfect this is this is our great hope Jesus Christ is coming back and he will win and in light of us knowing where God is going in the future what God is doing in the future the challenge then becomes for you and me to get on his train. The challenge comes for you and me to join God, to join him through our praise, to join him through our obedience, to join him through our our witness. We want to join God in what he is doing this week. Oh, it, it might be another week before Jesus comes back. It might might be another thousand years. But right now, I know where God is going in the future. And right now, we want to join him because we know he wins what will that mean for you this week i mean right now you know kind of what you're looking at hey how knowing what's going to happen how then do i respond or as peter said what sort of person should i be hey listen if you have questions today about beginning a relationship with christ or maybe maybe today or the last couple of sundays you've been hearing some things and and want to make a decision i want to remind you to go to that site uh, that you see there on the screen that's been shared with you earlier about a way that we can connect with you and help you in making that decision let's pray jesus we thank you so much for the information of the revelation And Lord, I would imagine even right here and right now, we would join those first century believers and sometimes wondering, does obedience pay off? Does following you pay off? And boy, what we see in the revelation is whether something pays off right now or later, it does pay off for all eternity. 
Oh, Lord, we want to be found right where you want us, doing right what you want us to do, being what you want us to be when you return. Oh, you've given us the information. May we adjust now accordingly. And may we prepare our hearts to worship you upon your return. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great week.